Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here your host, Rocky LaFleur. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. No yelling on the butt. Josh Webb. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your butt. I'm party. And Jake LaTondres. I'm bad news. Also starring Rob Crew. I bet this guy's into the woods a hundred bucks. And Bradley Ramsey. Bill Martin inside. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody. Showtime. Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Joining me on the other end of the line, the Warden. Now, not what you're thinking. Ryan Warden. Ryan, how are you, bud? I'm doing good. How are you? Cool, man. I am very cool. I am sitting outside the Duck South Studios with the windows rolled down on my truck recording this podcast, and that is highly unusual. Seems like we always open this thing up with weather, but it is it is 74 or 5 degrees right now, and my windows are rolled down in my truck, and I am just sitting here recording this podcast. Yeah, it's, it's nice out. It's nice here, too. Last week, it was in the hundreds, and now it's down. I think the high today was like 82 or something like that. So definitely much needed. Heat's tough on a lot of things. Oh, Dogs, man. animals, people, especially old guys like me. Mm. And it's unusual that that Kansas and Mississippi would be the same temperature, or Oxford and and Kansas would be the same temperature, because that's about hot as it got here today, about eighty two. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice break. It's supposed to be that way all week, so hopefully we can get some stuff done. You know. Hey, I want to ask you this: when it comes to the state making recommendations as it pertains to your best bet when it when it pertains to migratory birds, your best bet is not to call the state, right? In my who, opinion. Would you, <clears throat> look, I mean, my question, I guess my question would be the main question I need to ask with this is who would you call? Because don't believe me, don't believe Ryan. Pick up the phone and call who to find out about you know, when it comes to tagging and separation and uh, transportation of birds, blah, blah, blah. Who would just a regular old guy call? The Migratory Game Bird Division office out of Loveland, Colorado. They're out of that Loveland, Denver area. I'm looking up the number right now for you. And we will, I'll give it to you here in just a minute. U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services Migratory Game Bird Division. There you can call 1-720-981-1111. 
I think that's the one that goes directly into the Game Bird Division office. Or you can get there from there. The other number you can call is 1303-236-8171. And with that, that's the Migratory Game Bird Division office out of Loveland, Colorado. Those folks are great up there. They will do a good job of explaining stuff to you. And they will tell you, just like I will, tagging is not something that comes in every circumstance. But I've asked them before, is tagging the best common practice? I mean, like, if, if there's any question, are you better off to tag or not tag? And I ask him directly, is, com is tagging the best common practice? And they've stated, yes, that by far. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna save you a lot of headaches. If there's, when questions come up, it's gonna save you a lot of headaches. But, I mean, tag tagging is something that I lean more towards because that's, you know, that's what I did a tremendous amount of research on. I mean, I'm sitting, 18 inches from a 2016 Code of Federal Regulations book that's blue. Maybe I'll send you a picture of it and you can use it for the one of the one of the pictures for the podcast. But um, anyway, so I studied. Obviously, I've studied a bunch of that stuff a lot. But anytime I have a question or somebody asks me, calls me and says, "Hey, what do you think about this?" I said, if I if I don't know, I'm going to send you that direction because they're going to give you a good, honest answer. That they're very humble. They're going to tell you things like you're on the right track. You know, just keep after it. They're really encouraging to me, I guess. And oddly, like I said before, that's where the two agents were that that worked my case. That's where Dan and George were out of that office. George retired. Dan was still there. I've talked to him on the phone since, but. Anne Marie Sharkey, she's great. Agent Stacy Campbell, he's great. They're very knowledgeable, very willing to help. I don't know. I struggle with the state. I got a call I don't know, Friday or Saturday from a guy I worked with and he wanted to get on a conference call with his cousin and talk about the laws and his cousin called the state of Kansas and Talked to a lady, and the lady went and talked to some form of administration, and came back, and and it was about tagging. And she said, "Well, if you know if you're present with them, you don't have to tag them." Well, that's true to a certain extent, but if you have a bunch of birds in the back of a a truck or whatever, and a couple guys in there. If if you don't have them set, if you don't have them tagged and they're separated, probably gonna be all right. But I've asked the same question: if you're driving out of a cornfield or down a dirt road and they bump around and shift to the middle of the truck, and now you have twelve ducks sitting in the middle of the truck, and they're not separated anymore, are you in trouble? In the statement, the answer was yes. Now, if you just tagged them and separated and they bounce together, you're fine. If you tag them and they're separated and they don't bounce together, you're fine. If you don't tag them and they bounce together, you're in trouble. If you 
don't tag them and they don't bounce together, you're probably not going to be in trouble because you can define who's what. Now, everything I've read in the Federal Code of Regulations does not say anything about if you can identify your birds when you get out of the truck. So again, that's a gray area, but the consensus seems to be, again, with most federal agents that I've talked to, I haven't talked to any that said that's not the case, but I'm sure there's one out there. They seem to have the consensus, if you can get out and point at a pile in the back of that truck and those are yours, you're okay. But I will tell you, everything I've read, and I've read the entire code of federal regulations, I've read all of that stuff multiple times, nothing talks about if you can point out your birds. It talks about direct possession of your birds. So here's a good good example. When you get, okay, here, here's, a, here's an easier example. If you have birds in the back of your truck and they are separated and you go in to the local diner to eat breakfast because you had an early shoot and you got out of there and things are good, and so you walk into the diner and eat. Are you in direct possession of your birds when you're in the diner? No. You're not really in direct possession of them when you're sitting in the front of the truck. I mean, see, now we're getting into one person's interpretation over another. What is, what is direct possession defined? Now, if they're on the floorboard of the truck, and my six ducks are under, on the passenger side of the floorboard, and your six were on the driver's side, and Bob's was in the back under his feet. That, to me, that's more direct possession than in the back of a truck. But, I mean, that's open for speculation, and it's open for definitely open for interpretation. So the problem that you get into is when one game warden interprets something different than the hunter. Now, that doesn't mean the game warden is right. But that means you probably just got yourself tied up into some time that you didn't want to spend in a courtroom arguing it or whatever because he's going to issue a ticket and then let the court figure it out because he's not there to be the judge. He's just going to issue a ticket based on whatever. He's going to write a report. He's going to submit it, go to court and testify if, if you don't pay for it. So it's just one of those deals that it, it leaves a lot. A lot there for interpretation. So I, I would better say, off tagging than not tagging. It kind of brings me. You know what I thought about when you said that? You're better off tagging than not tagging. I caught hell last week when I just happened to mention you're probably better off not doing the face app deal than you are doing it. Did you do the face yeah. app deal where you did the AG no. thing? No. I'm already old enough, Rocky. No. <laughs> you know how much heck that I caught from people that had already done it? And and I just said, man, it's knowing and understanding the tech side of things just a little bit better than the normal human being. It's not a good thing just to hand over your pictures and personal information to a bunch of Russians and Chinese. Yeah. No, I, I yeah I agree. There's a lot of, and I I know I'm sure you did catch 
a lot of flack for that. Anytime, anytime you question what somebody's doing, that's always going to come up. People don't like to be questioned or wrong, right, or indifferent. I, I still find myself looking at Facebook posts and stuff and trying to figure out when I open them, if I'm going to get a comment like, you're an effing idiot, you're just a scam, you're just whatever. I mean, when I, for, for, for like three years, every comment that was ever made about a toe tag, besides my mom or dad or family, was negative about how you're just trying to scam people and how you're trying to do this and that. And it's like, I'm really not. I'm, I mean, I'm just... I'm trying to keep people from getting in the same trouble I did. I've got the paperwork right here in front of me, even as we speak. I'm not, I mean, I'm selling the tags for 25 cents a piece or whatever. It's, I mean, I'm, I still work a regular job because I don't make enough off tags to do anything with. It's a one-man operation, and my kids help at times. But, yeah, it's not... It's not about that. It wasn't created for that. I mean, if, if God blesses me someday to the point where I don't have to work because I sell enough tags and can do that type of stuff and go educate people and fly to lodges and help people and help outfitters and help duck clubs and whatever, great. But in the meantime, I still have a regular job. So, yeah, anytime you question somebody or question something somebody's done, even if you have the greatest intentions of the world, Rocky, be like, I don't think this is a good idea. Uh, I don't think you should do that. People just, they don't take it well. And it's, I think it's just the natural defense of people. And I'm pro, I mean, I'm, I'm human. I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I mean, let's be honest and humble ourselves a little bit. Call a spade a spade. It, when people question you, whatever you've done, you, everybody gets a little defensive and a little touchy. So you might be trying to help them, but that doesn't mean they want to. Well, no, no, they, 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 well, the whole deal was they called me, uh, you know, the ten ten four hat guy. And the, the the two things that that I take away from all of this before we jump back into your story is one. One of the biggest things not talked about last year was the company that uh, hacked Facebook and stole 87 million users' personal information. How that didn't get talked about more, I have no idea. Uh, the British company, uh, it starts with an A, but anyway, man, it was a huge, huge deal when it happened. And that's the same thing, but you're actually just giving them access in this case. You don't follow U.S. laws as it pertains to privacy. You follow the laws of the country of where your information is being stored on that app. So if it's Slovakia, you know, Slovakia probably doesn't have any laws concerning privacy and your privacy on uh, personal information on the Internet. You're adhering to their laws. They can do with whatever in the heck they want to 40 years from now Yeah, with that information. Because usually people don't change. If I like duck hunting today, guess what? 20 years from now, I'm probably going to still like duck hunting. That's yeah. valuable information to know. 
then on the fact, the thing that, that people don't understand, because we never, we live so much as human beings in the present. We don't think about the future and how things are going to work in the future. You know, 10 years ago when Facebook started, did you ever think that on or offline, when your phone's sitting beside you and you meant, you mentioned, uh, man, we need to buy us a tent. I'm thinking about going camping in October. And five minutes later, you get on your phone, and there's an advertisement for a tent. Yeah. Did you ever think 10 years ago that Facebook was going to serve you ads? No. Well, based on that? No, no. I didn't. I and, didn't. And, and none of us thought that they would use the information to sell to advertisers. Look, MySpace sold for $680 million. I think it was $680 million. Uh, when it sold back in '05, the reason that it sold for that was not because, or, or maybe it was '06, '07 when it sold to Fox. But he, it, it didn't sell for that much money because MySpace was still a popular thing. It was hip and it was cool. No, it sold for that much because they were buying your information for the future. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so. Thinking about, we live so much in the present, we don't think about the future. There's so much biometric data that can be pulled from just a picture. Who knows what's going to be pulled from a picture years down yeah. the road from now? I'm, I'm, I totally, man, 100% lost my train of thought. Um, I can't remember. But anyway, I'm ready to jump into the story anyway. I, I just thought, I was thinking about the... Uh, you can either tag or not tag, but you're better off tagging. It kind of just made me think about that last week. Yeah, you're you're probably better off not to be on a dang computer on the yeah. internet at all, anyway. Very true. So, all right, so let's go into this in great detail. I want to know. All right, so you last week I know we covered going. You know, you kind of. Well, that was two weeks ago. You went to the lawyer's office, got your print-off of charges or indictments, what they were indicting yeah. you on. There's a process that after you get those, and, and I'm assuming that these, by handing these, uh, these list of charges over to you, it's supposed to scare the bejesus out of you, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the this is the start of them dangling the carrot. Of okay, while well, you're looking at you know eight eight or nine felonies, four or five misdemeanors, whatever. So you start looking them up, and you're like, okay, well, I could be doing you know X number of years in a federal prison and paying X number of dollars in fines. And staring you right at right in the face at the time is Jeff Foles just I guess kinda of getting out of jail. Or yeah. been out of jail a couple of years. Yeah, but I mean me and Jeff were friends and so I'd already called Jeff and he's like, Hey, yeah, they're gonna I mean I texted him a little bit and then finally I just called him and he said basically they're gonna they're gonna get you. You can't win. But, and, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, when Jeff got his list of charges, I bet it never crossed his mind of serving time. 
No. Never ask him that. But I bet it didn't. No, because you're initially thinking we're talking waterfowl violate migratory game bird violations. And I, you know, I don't there's there's probably two there's two sets of people sitting out there listening to this. One of them is thinking that that was a rude thing for me to say. The other one is thinking, right? I mean, exactly. It's this is not human life. This is not I mean, I didn't kidnap you, Rocky, tie you up and feed you bread and water only for a week and throw you in a well and tell you to put the lotion on the skin or whatever. You know what I mean? This is not this yeah. we're talking I mean, we're talking like you've heard my stuff, like shooting from a bed of a motor vehicle, one dove over the limit, get gifting more than the possession limit would allow. Cause, just because I, I mean, I mean, a lot of that's just not paying attention to what you're doing. Like you're just relaxed and you're, I don't know, you're just not really. You don't think you're doing anything that bad, okay, dude? You want to eat doves? Sure, here, fine. I mean, I think most woodsmen or hunters are. Man, if you're going to eat it and you like duck, great. And there's times I like duck and there's times I don't like duck. I mean, there's times I crave duck. And I know there's people out there listening thinking, gross. And then there's other times, man, I don't, I don't, I might have messed it. Or there's times I want a freshly plucked bird that I can smoke. Or whatever. I mean, so I think most people are like, hey, you're going to eat if Yeah, if you want it, or if you're going to make jerky with it, or if you're going to go throw 160 doves on a great big smoker, and then we can eat them like savages the next weekend when we're hunting, while we're just sitting out there waiting for the flight to start, then, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, smoke them, yeah, bring them back and whatever. You can't do stuff like that. We all have done it, but you can't, you know, you can't do stuff like that. And it doesn't, it's not, uh, it's not, you know, it's not good for, good for people to do that. It's against the law, but we've all kind of done it. So, I mean, I guess I just didn't think, probably the same thing Foyle's thought is, I mean, we're not. What are you, you going to do? Sit in jail and be like, you're, you're not going to state jail. You're going to federal prison. So, I mean, they're going to throw you in supermax, and you're going to be like, yeah, I didn't. I sh- shot this dove from the back of a parked vehicle, and I didn't tag these geese once. And I hope you're sitting down for this, but I gifted a federal agent too many geese so you better tell your crew to stay off me because i'm that type of guy i mean they're gonna laugh you right out of prison so you you just don't think even being ex-law enforcement people do a hell of a lot worse stuff than that and don't do time so and you know again i i I say that loosely but I guess it's an interpretation of what's a hell of a lot worse. 
So, I mean, if you were a runner, you were running to this finish line as fast as you could. We've talked about that in the previous two episodes. You were trying to get there and get it over with. And then, like you said last week, you're here now. Whoa. Yeah, so we get there, and part of my, you know, part of my plea agreement, so I enter this plea agreement, and here's here's what they gave me per, for a proposed sentence. Whoa, whoa, the parties whoa, whoa. Are, is, is, is this the beginning? Is this the first time that they come to you and say, hey, no, this is... the first, no, they had my lawyer and them, Kurt and them went back and forth several times. All right, so how did and, that go? So what was well, the first, kind of walk us through that. I mean, it started out, we'll drop two of these felonies and we'll leave this and, you know, we won't charge him for this. And I don't remember exactly what they were. And Kurt didn't tell me what they were, but he's like, look, we're, if there's any, pretty much got to the point where he said, if there's any felonies involved, we're just, we're going to take our risk. We're, we're going to go with it. And we're going to fight it because, I mean, he's not going to enter a plea agreement to a felon. If he does that, he might as well fight them all and see see where the chips fall. Because one is going to do the same thing that two or three is going to do. That's right. As far That's, as, far as exactly. not being able to, to have a firearm again and stuff like that. I mean, they kind of negotiated back and forth for a little bit, and he was... At this point, I was trying to drag my feet because it was here. But like I said, I didn't want it here. He was trying to drag his feet. And so finally he calls me and says, hey, you know, this, it, I've got it. It's about as good as it's going to get. He said, I don't, I, I can't. They're done. And they want to know whether we accept it or whether they're going to file the original draft copy of the indictment. Did so it, hold on. Stop here. Did it ever cross your mind? Take the money out of it and say, let me go before a jury of my peers. It did, and we talked about it, and we knew exactly what was going to happen. They were going to go pick as many non-hunters as they could pick, and we were going to go pick as many hunters as we could pick. We also talked about this. Here's the problem with hunters. And this is the problem with the United States in general. When somebody else is successful or more successful than another hunter, there's a tremendous amount of jealousy involved. Mm -hmm. I'm guilty of it. Everybody's guilty of it, whether it's they don't like Chad Belding, they don't like Jeff Foyles, they don't like such and such. At some level, you don't like your local outfitter, he's a bastard, whatever. It's just that way. And, and it's sad, but it's true. So what you were going to have was you were going to have half the jury that didn't like hunting, the other half that didn't mind hunting, but of that other half, at least half of them were going to either become jealous of you, pissed off or whatever, and be like, well, I don't get to shoot extra limits, and I don't get to do this, and I don't get to do this, and I don't get to gift that many birds to somebody and whatever and so then all of a sudden it's just a they're bitter and you're screwed anyways so i just I knew that, 
And, and, I, and I think the thing that people – right, let's bring the money back into the situation. The thing that I don't think that people understand when it comes to what you've been charged with in federal court is, man, they will sit there and just bleed you. Nothing against them. That's just what they're going to do. They're just going to bleed and prolong this forever. It is a it's a lawyer's dream and a and a your nightmare. Yeah. Well, and you know, I've heard Jeff say it. Jeff told me the same thing. He said they've got all the money and time in the world. You don't. And and he's right. I didn't know what he. I mean, I kind of knew from being in law enforcement, but I didn't know the extent of it till I got into it. And so he, I mean, he's right. They got, they, there's, they got all the time and the money in the world. So they're just going to sit there and bleed you, and it's going to be a slow death. So you know, that that's one of the things that I try to tell people all the time about patents. You're dealing with federal court, so guess what? A patent is great if you're very wealthy because a patent is only as good as wealth is wealthy as the person holding a patent strong yeah. financially that they are because you're talking about federal court you're talking a hundred hundred and fifty thousand bucks if you have to go defend it yeah and so same scenario with the federal court with with you every every time he picks up the phone every time you show up at court dude he is adding up a hellacious bill oh yeah and it i mean that was currently happening you know, obviously, then I walked into his office and and he hand he handed me two pieces of paper, and the one was the terms of the plea agreement, and the other one was what it was actually going to look like. So, do you want the proposed sentence of the plea agreement? It says the parties will recommend an unsupervised probationary sentence of five years on each count. So remember, there was three counts, so that was going to be 15 years unsupervised probation. But then they said to run concurrently, so that was the five years. A fine of $2,500, restitution to the state of Kansas in the amount of $5,000, a special assessment of $25 per count of conviction, so that's another 75 bucks. And that that's just kind of frustrating. I mean, that's just like turning the knife a little bit. It's like you already hit me for seventy five hundred. You really need to hit me for another seventy five bucks or whatever. Um, during his probation period, and this was the this was the point where it was really. I mean, my lawyer's sitting there reading this to me, and this is the point where I just lose it because he says during this probationary period, the defendant will not be allowed to do the following. Hunt, fish, trap, guide, or outfit, or be with anyone doing those activities, which makes it very difficult to continue your guide service and business. You know, the one that you started 15 years ago from nothing, and you named after your sister that had passed away? Yeah, well, that one is not, you can't do anything with it when you can't hunt, fish, trap, guide, or outfit. Or be with anyone doing those activities. Drive income from any hunting, fishing, guiding, or outfitting activities, either directly or indirectly. Um, at that point, well, later on, when we go to court, and I introduced toe tags, they modified that a little bit and said that 
she stated on the record that I could do anything with that business as far as toe tags was. Um, possessed firearm, black powder firearms, any archery equipment of any kind. Parties understand this binds the party, but does not bind the court. So basically, when you when you go to enter a plea agreement, you, you plea you enter a plea of guilty or not guilty, and at that point, they tell you what they're going to do. They tell you what they're going to recommend. So this, yeah, I got, I don't know. There's probably eight pages, nine pages. I'm looking right now. There's eight pages here of what they're going to do. Um. And it explains all this. And so they're going to give this recommendation to the court. So I, so I asked her, I was upset, I was crying. I said, so what does that, what does that mean? Like that, obviously that means I've got to close my business. And he said, or sell it. And I'm like, okay. So I said, that means I'm obviously done with any kind of law enforcement which I've already I already turned in all my stuff anyways and was, but you definitely can't do anything now. Uh, I'm a certified NRA pistol instructor and was teaching concealed carry and basic pistol shooting. Um, so you can't, I can't do anything with that now. So at this point, we're again in a short period of time, our entire life, that we knew is now changing again. You know, we, we were we were on cloud nine guiding, have agents show up, life changes. We go through a divorce, life changes. I move away, start another lodge, life changes. I remarry, life changes. Um, I start a tagging business, life changes. My old friends are now kind of on the wayside and you're lost and you're in a new area trying to create new friends trying to hold a business together and then this comes up and now you're pushing towards this competition in the fall now you know that you're not going to be able to do anything with it so the next question i had for him was what kind of time frame are we looking at and he said I don't remember exactly, but it was something along the lines of federal, they meet for federal court like the first and third Monday of each month or something. And I said, okay, so what are you thinking? And he said, it's probably going to be October, November before but this takes effect. you've got booked, probably. Oh, yeah, I've got, I don't know, 60 deer hunters and got 60 to 80 deer hunters and I've got probably 60 to 80 turkey hunters in the spring and I've got probably 150 waterfowl hunts booked. I mean I had I had about 400,000 on the books, probably 300 to 400,000 on the books. So, now you're getting ready to take a huge blow of you you just thought everything was taken from you. It's get it's about to get a lot worse because now you're about to lose everything, finances and whatever, and you're either going to have to refund people, you're going to have to find a person or a group of people to sell, 
I mean, you, you've got to figure out something. You're running out. Now you're running out of time. You went to, you went from foot on the gas to now you're mashing on the brake, trying to, st with both feet leaned up and you're pushing against the seat type of deal, pulling the emergency brake. You're doing everything at this point to stop what is going on and, and be like, can you, I mean, can you, can you wait and do this like next June so then I can just not book anybody or whatever? It, I mean, it was, it's just bad. It's, it's just, it's back to bad again. And so you're kind of holding it together, but not really because a million things are going through your mind. So I left and my wife at the time was like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I, I don't know, probably sell it for next to nothing because I can't, I mean, it's not like I can sell it for what I think it's worth or get real picky because I don't have much time. So, I mean, it's like the first guy that shows up with 10 bucks it's sold. You got, I got to do, I got to recover something out of it or whatever. Let me ask you this. Did it cross your mind and say, Hey, John Smith's your best friend. He's helped, helped you part time for a long time. Let him run it and finish out that year. And I guess he would mm -hmm. pay you for the guide service by running those hunters that you had on the books. Yeah. I mean, I, you go through every scenario, right? I mean, be honest, you, you go through everything like, can, can my wife run it? I mean, that was one of my first thoughts was, can my wife run it? Or can her brother run it? Or whatever. And so, um, but you can't, you couldn't derive income from it directly or indirectly. So, you kind of, that wasn't going to work. I mean, how how am I not going to derive income from it if my wife is running it and the owner of it? I mean, you are, right? Whether it's in gas in your vehicle or something. I mean, there's just no way around it. So I had good, I had a good group group of guides that worked for me, and one of them had his own business in Colorado, and so I knew that he wasn't going to do anything. Um, one of them wasn't probably capable of it. Um, one of them, I didn't know if he had the finances to do it. Uh, so it ended up, I mean, I kind of just shot the word out there with like a shotgun kind of just sprayed across the crowd of people and said, does anybody want to do anything with it? Some of the guys that I thought would come on and do it ended up not. Um, and they they probably had the money to do it. I'd probably be in a lot better shape today if they would have done it. You know, and of course they're like, how much? And so now you're just playing poker with people. You're like, well. Well, I think you have enough money. Well, how does a $110,000 sound with all the facilities, the tractor, the whatever? And then the next guy you talk to is like, 
how much and it's like well the last guy the last two guys said no at this price so what do you think about 85,000 or 70,000 or 20,000 or whatever I mean you just you just kept dwindling down to get something out of it and so then you started the lower the price got the higher you got in the negotiations of that's my stuff because you have all your mounts in there but you don't have anywhere to go with them so you can use it you know until I have something else I can so then the list making started of I own this, 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 and this still, but until I have a place for it, it has to stay here. But once I do, there'll be no dispute. I get to recover any of my mounts or my safe or whatever. I mean, it was just a nightmare. You, the The shift of go, go, go is now shifted to go 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 but you have to go 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 in a different direction of i've got to get all this wrapped up i need this to be clean and clear because you're only going to screw yourself you gotta make terms that the mounts are yours that the tractor's yours that this is yours this is yours this particular truck is yours or whatever i mean there was no truck involved, but just just things that you wanted to recover at some point, but you couldn't move them into a three bedroom house or or whatever. So very frustrating, very difficult. I signed the plea agreement to enter it, left to drive back to Alden from Wichita because that's where the federal court is in Wichita and so when I left to drive back it was just me and my wife at the time and it was I mean she's asking me what am I going to do and my mind has went from 150 miles an hour to about 300 miles an hour trying to figure out how am I going to get us out of this I mean, again, you're thinking you can sell, you, you have monetary value in what's on the books. I mean, you can show those people are on the books, but then they want to know the same thing. Are you going to guarantee those people are going to come? Well, I really can't. It, it was just, it's, it's chaos because you don't know how people are going to react to it. And some of them reacted fine. Some of them immediately canceled hunts. Some of them came and called me the entire hunts complaining. Some of them came and called me and said their hunt was great and, you know, whatever. But very difficult. Very, very difficult. It was another roller coaster time where you just don't know if you're going to get through it. You don't know how you're going to get through it. And it doesn't matter because at this point, you're all your relationships are beginning to struggle the the pressure that's coming down on you at this point to make decisions you're worried about are you am i about to go through another divorce what i mean what am i what am i gonna do <laughs> you're you're back to the point where now you're everything is changing and you're losing everything again and there's no way to stop it so he 
we left there. My the last thing my lawyer said was, "I'll agree to this, and you will be getting a letter." So will I, stating a court date. If there's any way that you cannot make that court date, you need to let me know immediately. Um, but you pretty much need to be there because they're not going to play games with you and whatever. So they're they're not going to let you drag this out, basically. So you pretty much need to find a way to get there or everything may be off the table. So I didn't know when that well, was going to be. It was one of those ahead. deals where you're trying you're trying to hurry up and think. I mean, we're we're in that July, August, mid August time frame now. Where, you know, we're about about August 10th, August 15th time frame, and so I'm like, am I going to be able to get in one more? You know, deer season September. Am I going to be able to get in another youth hunt with my daughter? I mean, she's eight. So am I gonna, you know, and I, and I'm gonna have to explain this to my kids, and they're already hearing about it at school and whatever. But you, now you're really gonna have to sit down and be like, okay, because this, this is what's going on, and you're thinking your kids looked at you as a cop one day, and now you're on federal probation, and you can't have a gun. And everything so, you've done has been around guns, trapping, fishing, and hunting. So, so when we're going to get into it, this is where we're going to stop right now. But when do you? When is the court date? Um, I got a letter. I got. They sent out a letter uh, on November fourth. So, dear Ryan, your case referenced above. Just case number 14 CR 10182 KMH is set for initial appearance, plea, and sentencing on Monday, November 24, 2014, at 1 30 p.m. in front of Judge Humphreys Federal Court in Wichita, Kansas. Please plan on appearing in person on this date and time. However, you should contact the office prior to your court date to confirm that your appearance is still necessary. Should you have any questions or comments, please do not hesitate to contact me at your earliest convenience. Sincerely, Audrey Pram, legal assistant for Kirk Kearns. All right, so before we go 100% court date next week, because that's where we're going to start it next week, are there any more communications between you and your lawyer we need to talk about? Any communications between you and the court? In between um, that August and November letter? No. After that, I mean, a few months later, I tried to get a hold of Matt Treaster to, to start the whole... I, I wanted to try to get a statement from him. I wanted to record a phone call with him and try to get him to tell me what the tagging laws were. So I'd have him on record. And that was in the spring of 2015, and he sent me a dated letter, April 15, 2015. Said he understood you've called my office several times and left messages. I'm prohibited from talking to you, as you have counsel, Mr. Kirk Kearns. So, did did Kirk prepare you for court in any kind of way before federal court? I mean, phone call. Yeah, no. You need. 
you need to wear this, you need to be there, blah, blah, blah. I think he knew that he knew me well enough to know that I was going to show up in court and look nice. I just didn't know if he coached you or counseled you and what to say that day. I don't want to get into what you said because we're next week is 100% dedicated to that court date. No, he just, um, I mean, he, he, somewhere in conversation over the phone, probably after this letter, he, I think he called to confirm that I got the letter. I said, yeah, um, he, he, talked to me and explained, yeah, I know you know how to handle yourself in court. This is what to expect. There'll be other people going in and out of there. When it's our turn, we'll go in and we'll, they're going to ask you a few questions and you're going to give them honest answers and they're going to ask you if being bribed in enter this plea or whatever and you, you know, state an honest answer. And, and so, and it was, my biggest concern was just because the plea agreement says that, that, I mean, so the plea agreement could say, okay, Rocky, the the federal prosecutor is going to recommend to the federal judge you get five years unsupervised probation and $7,500 in fines. And so how do you plead? And you say guilty. And then the judge says, I, I, have noted the recommendation made by the federal prosecutor, Mr. Treister, um, but I don't think the fines are enough. So therefore, we're going to move the fine fee to $75,000. And I think, Mr. Warden or Rocky, that you have not learned anything from this. So therefore, I'm going to give you six years in a federal prison. Please take, him right. Please take him right now. Um, not not good, but it can happen. It doesn't happen that often. You know, there's there's a lot of things in life that don't happen a lot. Kids don't get struck on a baseball field a lot. But when lightning strikes, everybody gets off the field. So, you know, a lot of things don't happen a lot. But trust me, at this point in my life, you're sitting there thinking, <laughs> yeah, well, but a lot of people don't get federal charges over waterfowl hunting either a lot. A lot of people don't get charged with tagging. Your thought process at this, I mean, your brain's fried. And your thought process at this point is a lot, whether, you know, the odds may be 1% that she may change it, but I'm that lucky guy. There's a, the normal guy's odds are 1%. Well. When it comes to getting screwed over, Ryan's odds are about 95%. So I'm thinking, what what's the worst thing that can happen? Because that's probably what you need to prepare for. And what, and I didn't the, know. What's the guy's name in, in our culture? Um, and I'm, I, my brain is about dead tonight. But what's the, what's the, the old term? Well, like Murphy. Murphy's Law. There we go. Murphy's Law. Yeah, it's I could mean, have been could have been named Warden's Law. Those yeah, past three or four years. Yes, and I mean I think the the guys that are listening to this that have listened to it for 
you know, most of the podcasts, I'm sure they are probably thinking, yeah, Ryan, I bet you're, I bet. I mean, you're, you're not really willing to bet in your favor at this point because nothing's going right. So I was very nervous. And we'll talk, I mean, we'll talk about that next week as we get into the court because to the, I mean, like to the minute she stopped talking with what she was going to do to me, I'm like, knowing my luck, she's going to be like lethal injection next week in front of the live audience or public hanging. Uh, we've got a rope here behind my chair and a flagpole that sticks out off the fourth story. And we're going to push you out the window type deal. So, Well, next week, we're going to walk through it detail by detail, emotion by emotion. And I want to walk through this whole process. I want to walk. I want to see what you saw. I want to feel what you felt that day in court next week. Better be. maybe, have a, maybe, maybe have a little enough time to jump into toe tags because there, there's a lot that happens from your court date to the toe tags business so we may start on that next week depending on how long we go with the court date but ryan man i enjoyed it thank you again and it's always a pleasure to record with you to tell these stories but ryan thank you again we want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the end of the line podcast powered by DuckSouth.com.